Welcome to another episode of the Calgary Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Slim, and this episode with Josh Deck of Aftermath Fitness was absolutely incredible. You know, Josh, he's a former paramedic. He um, he moved full-time into fitness back in 2014 because, get this, he wanted to help more people. Do you know how mind-blowing that is, right? right for me to hear an EMT, a paramedic, wanted to help more people people. That is incredible to me. And, you know, his extensive knowledge of the human body and movement patterns and really understanding how you can get out of chronic pain was absolutely astounding to me. And, you know, I usually send my guests a list of questions ahead of time saying, hey, like, you know, here's a list of 10 questions that we can possibly talk about and, you know, maybe do your research. And and he was like, forget it, throw anything my way. Like I'm ready to go. And his answers were just so quick. And I was absolutely amazed with his knowledge. And, you know, he even mentions that he went to battle with the Mayo Clinic and won. So that is incredible to hear that he sticks up for his philosophies. He understands that, you know, this is this is powerful, powerful things that he's doing for his clients. So Aftermath Fitness, make sure you follow him on Instagram at aftermath.fit or head to his website, aftermathfitness.ca for more information about what he's up to, his story, and how he's helping a lot of people. Anyways, here's Josh. Make sure you give the podcast a five-star rating if you enjoyed and have an awesome day. The Calgary Fitness Podcast, we're back for another episode here, and Josh Deck is with me right now with Aftermath Fitness. Uh, Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Justin. This is, this is cool. This is great. Yeah, I think it's something new because we do have a mutual connection in Jeff Starling, and, and he, I mean, you came highly recommended. He says you know your stuff, so I guess, we'll find I guess out, that's a, we? yeah, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Um, I, I want to know a little bit about you uh, before we get into it. First off, um, you're a trainer. You work with Aftermath Fitness. Tell me a little bit about you, your business, and, and who you help and who you serve. Well, I'll keep it short and sweet for you. I uh, used to be a paramedic, and so uh, there's a very deep ingrained love for biology and the inner workings of the body as a systemic unit. Um, but actually, when I moved from Ontario, I came out to Alberta. The original plan was to become a paramedic. Um, and I'd done some part-time personal training in the past, but when I got out here, there was a license transfer issue. So I landed here, picked up a personal training job, ended up starting my own business one year later. And I've been doing that ever since. And, uh, I've really fallen in love. There's a reason I call it aftermath fitness. Um, there are millions of people who kind of fall between the cracks when it comes down to the industry and what's required or what's been shown to them. And so the aftermath of all that is these people who are constantly trying to reach goals, never getting there, always in pain, always having strains uh, in loops of constant flux of diets and fads and trends. And so the aftermath are these people who are just stuck and effectively, uh, when it comes down to personal self-esteem, emotion and progress, they're devastated. And so that's my main target market. And I find uh, it's probably about 75% women. Men are affected, but they just don't talk about it. So we don't really know, right? So let's dive into that. I think that, I mean, that's, that's a whole big can of worms there. I think I would have to agree with you in, in the fitness industry, it is yo-yo central. And, and that's not to blame anybody. It's just because number one, they may be getting the wrong information, uh, right? So it's confusing to them. And number two, they just haven't found something that's kind of 
like a lifestyle rather than a plan. And I think that that's important to, to talk about as well. Is, and and I, I'm going to assume that's how you approach it too. Very much. Uh, the whole body, I mean, you doing this for as long as you have, you've got all kinds of things that you could identify and say, you know, the body is made up of so many different systems, but on the grand scheme of it, they all work together. If your neck hurts, you don't treat it, you're going to have pain in your ankle. Right. And there's so much surrounding that that only applies to the physiology, but the biology and psychology of fitness, health and wellness. So it is a can of worms might be an understatement. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the thing is like, I love exercise programs out there for the sake of getting people moving. Right. But if you're going through the same thing day in, day out and really not even understanding the connection between why is my shoulder hurting? and how you can kind of tweak that uh, or even correct it down the road. I think that that's a really important connection. And it's people like you that would help them through. So I, I wanna talk a little bit about that and, and talk about the body itself, how, how it works one and um, all together, all at once. So tell me a little bit about some of your clients, how you treat them, how you work with them and how you help them. Well, that's actually a tough one to pin down. Uh, one of the things, it's a very evolving career, always an evolving profession, especially coming from the background that I have. Once people find out that you're a paramedic or used to be, uh, you know, a doctor or a police officer or something that's considered an authority figure in your field, they automatically lean a lot more trust into you. And because of that, I found myself digging for answers for questions that people wouldn't normally ask. And so I've ended up doing work with chiropractors, physiotherapists, uh, functional neurologists, and so many different people shadowing and working with them within their clinic, uh, unofficially, of course. And, uh, just to try to learn the systems. And so a big thing that I do is I assess, like anybody should, you know, gait, function, movement, muscular function. When you squat, are you in your butt hamstrings? Or are you finding yourself heavy in the knees? How's your posture? That's a very functional base, right? But one thing I wanna look at is the neurological base, and that's often missed. So many people come in overdiagnosed with adrenal fatigue, right? When maybe adrenal exhaustion might be more accurate, but we look at that and we go, okay, you're stressed in life. So we're kind of starting to get towards that root, but the, the, the true cause is very rarely addressed. Stress and symptoms of stress and adrenal is often just a symptom of a functional or structural issue. And so one of the things I've come to learn to look at is the overall function of the central nervous system, starting at C1, C2. So many of us develop this text neck, right? That leading forward. And by the time your head comes from standing straight at zero pounds of force, pulling on the tissue in the back of your neck to a 90 degree bend chin to chest, you're looking at 75 pounds of progressive force pulling on those tissues. And so they strain. And when that C1, C2, that's the top two vertebrae there in that neck get malaligned, it actually displaces your nervous system. And you end up with a sympathetic or your fight and flight overdrive where that parasympathetic, your rest and digest becomes shut down. And so you getting out of bed in the morning or being stuck in traffic is the same physiological, biological reaction as somebody pointing a gun into your face. And so that stresses the body on countless levels. If we can start to address that. You can address the systemic nervous system and that same type of, of assessment and uh, physiology, that pathway addresses to other injuries as well. Just because you hurt your shoulder doesn't mean it came from your shoulder. And that's, that's something that I do very, very much uh, in my field. So. And I'm curious too, like, let's pull back here to your time as a paramedic. First off, 
I mean, we've got to understand too that you have extensive training in 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 body itself and everything like that. Like, I think that's important to address here. So, what's the connect between when you go from a paramedic to decide, hey, I want to help people in a different aspect, in a different capacity? Like, talk about that. You know, it's it's interesting because I used to think there wasn't actually a connection whatsoever, minus the anatomy and the training. And I started to realize as I got into this. I really fell in love with the proactive approach to healthcare rather than the reactive approach. And so I give you an example, Lynn, one of my clients, uh, we've made many documentaries about her and taken her all over the place because she's done such amazing things, but she actually had a gastric bypass done. It's called the Ruan Y. It was a particular surgery and they moved 76% of her stomach. And so she was, you know, 65, 75 pounds overweight. And when you're five foot, five foot one, that's pretty significant. And so, they, they cut out so much of that where she used to be able to eat. Now she'll have a bite of chicken and a spoonful of rice and she's full. And so she ended up losing a ton of weight, but she was uh, type two diabetic, type one and a half. She used partial insulin. She had 17 pills and insulin for breakfast, nine more pills at bedtime, sleeping with CPAP. She was on disability at work. She had high blood pressure, borderline congestive heart failure. And there was so much going on in her body. It was just rebelling and shutting down. And over the course of the last five years, she went from disability at work and all these medications and health problems to just last year uh, before COVID and everything broke down, or sorry, the year before, uh, she actually competed for Team Canada and competed in the Raw Powerlifting Tournament. She now holds 11 world records. Uh, I believe it's seven national and four provincial records in her division at age 62. And so- That is unbelievable. It is amazing. She's an amazing woman. And, but that's what happens when you look at the body as a systemic unit. You can start to address the root cause of all these things, less so just start working out. And that's what differentiates just a workout. I use heavy air quotes on workout versus a plan or a program. And mm -hmm. it's a different understanding and a different approach. And uh, it's just proven to be really effective. Totally. And, and so throw out the name of that documentary. Uh, I think, you know, if people who would want to check that out, I, I think that that's I mean, it's not it's not going to work for everybody, but at the same time, it's it's one of those things where people can really, really get some insight. Yeah, well, it's actually a five to six minute short documentary that we actually made. Um, it's called The Grind, and it may be available on YouTube. I'll have to check on that one for sure, but it was just made privately for us, and uh, it ended up not getting distributed, but it's on YouTube, and it's on Facebook, as well as our website, aftermathfitness.ca, um, but just really amazing, and uh yeah, I just, I can't talk highly enough of people who, who go through those types of changes, so. Now, one of the things I noticed on your website too is that uh, you do help with um, like pain relief too. And I think a lot of people, they do have that pain say in their knees, right? So let's talk a little bit about knee, knee pain specifically. Um, and, you know, let's talk about squatting and knee pain. And, um, you know, how do you address, I mean, you, you said you do a, an assessment and everything like that, but I do want to know about, you know, from day one to say day 30, 60, 90, like, how do you progress? Do you even program squats in? Like, what, what, what do you look at there? Well, interestingly enough, I actually start squats almost right away. Uh, so once we establish why they're not squatting properly or what the dysfunction is, then we get them to squat right away, but we actually improve their function. So most people are used to squatting, uh, everything in the body is very anterior, posterior chain. Everything connects from the top of your forehead down to the tips of your toes in front, back of your head, under your feet to your toes in the back. And when we address these chains and these units as one piece, we can start to identify the weak link or the one that's just completely shut off entirely. 
So there's two methods of this. One, it's functional, or two, it's structural. In a structural deficit, you were born with one leg shorter, the bone is the way it is, and you work around it, get a lift. But functional, excuse me, functional is developed. And so somebody with text necks sitting at their job all day, improperly using the musculature, that is a functional development or a malalignment. And that's what we address right away. And so it either has a neurological cause or just a, a habitual cause. So either you're using the thing improperly that caused your injury, or like we talked about the neck, the back, what we call inhibitory chains. So if you have a, a malalignment in your middle back, we call it T, your TL junction, that's at the 12th thoracic and first lumbar junction, um, that'll malalign. What that'll actually do is inhibit the musculature of the rectus abdominis, the front abs, but hamstrings. And so you actually end up with an overuse of the quads, hip flexors, and piriformis. So you get hip pain and all that locks up. Now, it's not your fault. Your body knows what it needs to do to squat, to walk, to run, to do stairs. It'll always do what it has to do, therefore recruiting other muscles. Those muscles aren't made to take the load. You strain the tissue and you end up with this chronic knee pain. And so the common fix amongst doctors, GPs, get a brace, here's some ibuprofen, take a rest. And they're just not trained in the orthopedics of it. And even uh, orthopedic surgeons, you give me a hammer, I fix with a hammer. So therefore you have knee pain, you need surgery, or you need injections or cortisone. But the root cause is missed. And I'd say 98% of the time, I've gone head to head with the Mayo Clinic on this stuff. And I've won in some instances. And so and that's not to say yay me, but this is a method of injury and recovery that I just think more people need to be aware of that it exists. Does that answer the question? It was kind of a yeah, run around. 100%. <laughs> like, I, I think that's when you talk about overuse of the hip flexors, piriformis, uh, your quads, I mean, you think about too, people sitting all day, right? And that it, I mean, that can contribute to it too. I mean, we have been overworked as a society, just people at their desk, at their computers and everything like that. So I, I wanna talk to you about, you know, easy fixes that people can do right now um, to maybe, maybe not fix it, but help alleviate it or get them on the right path. Number one method I always recommend is a foam roll. So a lot of people don't foam roll often, but uh, it's very, very effective, very, very simple. It doesn't always have to hurt. And that's the biggest thing is three or four out of 10 intensity on your pain scale is very, very normal, it, depending on how bad maybe an eight. But if it gets gradually worse, ease off. Uh, but a big thing when people try to foam roll is there's a misconception around how to do it as well. Always going with the line of the muscle tissue, right? So your roller is running perpendicular to that tissue line. And if you don't know what the line looks like, just Google the image and you'll figure it out. Um, but short bursts, about one inch like a piano key, back and forth, and then you move to the next. And the science on foam rolling, that's the best they've come up with so far. Whereas if we just roll top to bottom, hip to knee in these long strides, the muscle ends up spasming, it gets aggravated, it never has a chance to relax. And uh, so that's, that's number one is a foam roll. Number two is readdressing your patterns. So, and we missed this on the last question, I guess, but in a squat, learning how to use your butt hamstrings, learning how to push the floor in half, recruit your glutes, learning how to anchor. And that's the number one, get rid of pain is the foam roll. Two, fix your patterns to fix the cause. Three, if you can't get your patterns proper, activate the muscle, that means we have that neurological inhibition, like a compression in your spine or somewhere, which you can get opened up by an osteopathic chiropractor, which will allow your, your, your brain to connect to that muscle and start using it properly again. And uh, those are my three fixes for pain almost every single time, unless it's acute trauma, like a fall or a car accident. 
Yeah, and I think that's important to remember too, is that this is not just, I mean, this is not just, hey, do a couple squats, you're good. This is, you know, it's a whole, you mentioned it, it's a plan, it's a strategy. It's not just one day and you're good or do cut down the, the amount of reps or anything like that. Like, I think it's a whole holistic approach. And I, I'm curious too, like, you don't have to go too in depth on nutrition, but how much does nutrition play into this? Into which part are we talking? The training as a whole, the lifestyle? Yeah, lifestyle. Lifestyle, it's, it, it's huge because that's the difference between going on a diet and adapting your nutrition, right? A diet is like a workout, right? Diet is to workout as program is to nutrition. And so if we can actually change our thinking around food more as fuel, less as fun, we start to eat things because we feel good. Um, I, I'm big on intuitive eating. That's the number one thing I like to address is when you eat, do you feel gassy, bloaty, sleepy, lethargic, or do you feel good, high energy? Do you feel like your brain fires well? That is the number one thing with nutrition. As far as it affects everything, it's critical. It's muscle recovery. It's will to move. It's your body's ability to lose weight and start feeling better, to push you towards your goal, which is getting stronger, building muscle, losing fat nine out of 10 times. Um, so I'd say nutrition is pivotal, but it's one of the last things I actually address. And I love the aspect of intuitive eating too, right? Because I mean, you could get a diet plan on wherever you could Google diet plan and you would get one for quote unquote, heavy air quotes, fat loss, right? But if you are ingesting foods that are like, these don't agree with me, like this is not working for me at all. Like you cannot swallow it. I mean, you can't eat this stuff if it's not working for you. And that's the only way that it's going to be a lifestyle is if you adapt and, and you figure out, like, you have to listen to your body to make sure that you understand what's going on. And I recommend to people who don't know is go see a naturopath and request some IgG blood labs. Uh, that's your immunoglobulins. They'll just see what your body is reacting with on a systemic level. I had, uh, and still as an adult, I battle with acne. I'm 27 years old. I still get acne on my face and my back. Very, very mild. When I was a teenager, I was covered. You know, I was wrestling. I was in martial arts. Um, I was kickboxing. I was you name it, I was in it, I was involved in it. I was like very, very active, eight to 12 hours a week in heavy combat sports. So you're eating everything you get your hands on, eggs, milk, protein shakes, fish, all of it, nuts, seeds. But I didn't realize until I was in my mid twenties that all those foods I was actually consuming were giving me this acne and the systemic reaction. I thought I had IBS, like irritable bowel syndrome because my parents do. Turns out I definitely don't. What I have is an allergic internal reaction because my body isn't agreeing with it. So my intestines become inflamed. I don't absorb my nutrient properly. I don't process properly. And it comes out into my skin in the form of acne. And once I address that, I feel better. I mean, everything from cognition to libido, to strength, to function, to my ability to process information and get up and move day to day is so much better because now I'm learning what or how to eat intuitively. And I have the backing of, of hard numbers uh, from blood labs to actually back up what I feel in, inside. And I love those indicators that you just gave me there too. Libido, energy, everything to that aspect. Like to me, those are the best indicators rather than weight loss and uh, you know what the scale is telling you and and you know those kinds of things. It's it's more about your energy, your libido. Like are are you able to wake up with a smile on your face? Like those kinds of things. I think to me are better indicators. So understanding your body a little bit more it will take some time and it's a little bit of a practice, but it's worth it. Absolutely. I mean, that intuition, it's hard to come by. 
because we're so not used to it. A lot of us, it's like being in an abusive relationship, right? It's the best thing I've actually ever heard food described as. You don't know it's abusive until you're out and you're in a good one. And so you don't know sugar makes you lethargic until you go off of sugar for a while and come back and process refined. You may not know that way protein disagrees with you. You just think you're gassy until you, you go off of it and then come back onto it and you're gassy immediately. And there's just such a shift that intuition is developed. But uh, until you know the difference, man, and, and that's why I recommend blood labs because it gives you hard numbers to say this is not good and um, start making changes from there. So huge, huge, huge on intuition. So you personally, are you like, what are you doing with eggs and dairy then? Completely. Av I avoid those like the plague. It is, they do not agree. Uh, I've accidentally had dairy or butter on stuff. And within 10 minutes to half an hour, I'm bloaty, I'm gassy. My wife leaves the room. Like it is not a good time. And so it's, uh, it's definitely something, I mean, eggs within two days, I got acne popping up everywhere. My skin is aggravated. And the less I have them, the worse my reaction is. But uh, on a day-to-day, -day, man, if, it's, if it causes me any kind of discomfort, I just don't eat it. So I'm are you doing any whey supplements or? Not at all. So Not at all. And that's something I'm actually struggling with right now is to get protein in because I can't have any dairy base. Um, that covers whey, casein, anything like that. Um, I have certain seeds and nuts, sunflowers, almonds, pistachios. Those don't agree with me. So it's heavy on the meat protein and heavy on the greens. And I'm a very protein fat-based diet. My body loves that. But because proteins are harder to come by and I don't feel great if I eat a ton of meat, I have to adapt some carbs. And so I'm still, even now, it changes week to week as hormone balances and age and different things change, training styles, all of that. It's a constant balancing act of trying to figure out where I'm putting my macros and where they're coming from. Um, but anything that I know gives me a problem, I just avoid entirely. Awesome. So I, I want to shift gears here and let's talk a little bit about COVID-19. Uh, it's pretty devastating with the fitness community, especially because gyms, obviously they're in phase three of reopening here in Calgary. Uh, so I'm really curious, like, tell me how it's affected your business and how you're adapting. Well, it's been interesting. In, in one regard, it's affected us dramatically. In the other, it's actually been really beneficial. So much like any industry, we've learned to pivot. We have to pivot. Um, and so a lot of clients have moved online. A lot of them love heavy lifting and strength training and all sorts of stuff, but we have to move to either calisthenic or try to find equipment, which right now is more expensive than gold, right? Because it's in such high demand. Um, so as far as adaptation, we've gone online strictly through Zoom, Google Hangouts, and it's worked really, really well, actually better than I thought it was going to. Um, I do all my programming still through you know, the Trainerize app, which is very common in, in the fitness community now as well. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I have my overhead is lower. I don't pay rent per head. I don't. I was paying fifteen hundred dollars a month in rent, and now I'm paying nothing. In fact, I have write-off for office space and gym use space in my apartment now, and so we're actually saving more money now than I was making. I'm, I'm literally making fifty percent of the income, and we're actually saving and making more. So, <laughs> one benefit: a lot of people are doing really, really well. On the other hand, there's a lot of clients who are still out there not getting what they need. And uh, I'd rather go back and spend more time traveling and working and paying more in rent because these people who are pivotal, like they're urban planners, they're lawyers, they're doctors, they need this. And so it's a little bit of give and take from everybody, I think, but it's, it's been cool. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's given us a lot of time. I've been working on this really big video uh, fitness series that we're trying to launch here for about three years. 
and we thought it was going to take forever to come out, but this downtime, I've had more time to work on that than ever before. So it's, it's, been, it's been good and bad. And I think a lot of people are just struggling with it differently. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I love that you, you've created opportunity out of something that could be devastating, right? You've, you've learned to pivot. And I think that you know, any small business owner, and this is just fitness aside, but any small business owner, they could totally, totally, totally learn during this time. I think a lot of people during this time have learned to, I mean, you think about restaurants themselves, like how many deliver, like if you offer delivery services during this time or curbside or anything to that effect, like you can learn to win if you utilize it and learn to pivot. Yeah. And a lot of these strategies, they're going to maintain even after COVID finishes curbside pickup, deliveries, online work. I mean, all of Twitter, they're selling off their properties and closing their office spaces. They're going to save $200,000 a month in rent and everybody's working from home. And so this is, I think, economically speaking, we're going to have a bunch of empty space. Maybe it turns into condos, who knows, but this could be as impactful as like 1866. This is like an industrial revolution, but this is that pivot time where everything changes and it's, it's really fucking exciting. I love that, man. That's great. That's a great aspect. I mean, a great thing to think about too. Um, I'm curious, like, do you see yourself reopening then, you know, once phase three and, and uh, like, what do you see yourself for your business? Well, personally, I, I really love that one-on-one -on -one connection in small group and working with people face-to-face -face and coaching because I mean, I'm very meticulous and I've got an eye for movements. I mean, if somebody is squatting a micron out of a line, I fix it and they, they, the clientele that I tend to attract love that. They want to learn how to do things properly, be injury-free, and it's hard to see that online. And so for my own personal fulfillment and enjoyment of the job, I do plan on going back. Um, but part-time, I might cut it from five and a half days a week down to three, allowing me to still continue working this online because now there's, like I said, there's so much we're doing online that uh, I need this time and I can't sacrifice it now because it's, 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 it's a dream we're growing. We have so much we want to do in the future and uh, my wife is uh, an interior architect, and so she wants to build schools and houses in third world countries and uh, hospitals and all kinds of stuff. And this gives us the leverage of the time to do that and travel around. And so um, I think it'll, I think it'd be a good split and a little bit of a hybrid, honestly. Tell me a little bit about your location. You're in Inglewood, right? Uh, so I was in Inglewood. Uh, I personally, I live actually on Memorial Drive here, right outside of downtown by the Peace Bridge. And... Um, when everything goes back, I'm going to be moving to King's Fitness, and that is just down Blackfoot Trail by the Century Casino there with uh, Leo King owns the gym. And so that's the plan. The Inglewood facility is no more and uh, doesn't appear to be reopening anytime soon. So, yeah, just find it's, it's about finding a place where the community is good and healthy and the culture that I want to keep within my clientele for myself and for them continues to grow. So talk about your own training right now. I, I kind of perused your Instagram just a little bit. It looks like you're doing some calisthenics. Uh, looks like, I mean, from a while ago, there's some video of you deadlifting like 600 or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many plates were on there, but talk about how your training was prior to COVID, what you're doing now, and I guess how you're staying active. It's been an interesting shift. I mean, I used to be heavy in the bodybuilding. I transitioned from powerlifting then to strongman, and that was actually the focus until... Uh, I got a whiplash injury last year and it's just, it's kicked my ass. I've hardly lifted anything since. Um, but uh, with COVID right now, it's been great because I've put a lot of focus into calisthenic, uh, which has been really, really good. My joint health is responding a lot better. Um, truthfully, I don't like it. I, I enjoy a lot of the aspects of it, but I love pulling trucks. I love picking up rocks. 
I love putting 300 pounds over my freaking head at, you know, flipping tires, seven, 900 pounds. Like it just, it feels good. You feel like a Viking and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult now to enjoy the exercise, but, uh, it's, it's two things. I got to practice what I preach because the health is necessary. And even though I don't like what I'm doing, I feel good at the effect after I do what I'm doing. And so it's a pivot and it is some give and take because in a time like this, we can't have everything we want. So you have to learn to count your blessings and do what you're able and take away what you can from what you have. Um, so very calisthenic focused. And um, yeah, I mean, and maybe it's drawing on at this point. I have two 35 pound dumbbells, two 45 pound weight plates and a couple of bands. And you have to get creative. I can, I can deadlift with those. I wrap the bands around my wrist, put them under my feet and lift the dumbbells. All of a sudden I've got 200 pounds at the top which for all intents and purposes is enough. So getting creative is a big part of it, but just enjoying what you can, I suppose. And I think, you know, that goes back to the whole business side of things where this could create an opportunity for a lot of people. Like the one thing that I'm really proud of is I live in the suburbs, so I'm way up north and I have never seen so many people outside. And this to me is just, it's People say that they don't have time to work out. Like now you have all the time in the world to really start to get intuitive with your body, understand that, hey, if I wanna go out for a bike ride, I've got time to go for a bike ride now. For me personally, one thing that I'm really working on um, uh, is handstands. So I want to get to a point where I can walk on my hands. I actually, I five days ago, I, I'm actually in a walking boot right now. So I suffered actually a tendon tear. Um, on my right foot. Yeah. Honestly, Josh, I was outside in front of my house, warming up. I was doing bum kicks, stepped on an uneven piece of pavement and pop. There goes my ankle. I had to go to emerge. Yeah. So I'm in a walking boot for the next eight to 12 weeks. So it's, it's about getting creative now. And, you know, um, I have a set of resistance bands. I've got 35s, 50s resistance bands, uh, a tea towel. I can create a full workout just with a tea towel, right? So I think it's just, yeah, like you said, it's getting creative. Yeah. I'm gonna have to learn a few things from you. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, hey? Just the little things. I'm actually big on, uh, and it's a bit off topic now, but when it comes to injury repair, um, I am big on peptide and hormone therapy for that. Um, if you're familiar with BPC-157 and TB-500, the two peptides actually naturally drive from the body, they come from the gut. Uh, BPC stands for body protective compound, and it is produced mm. in the intestines. Um, but it is a derivative, and it's actually site-injected, and it actually speeds up recovery anywhere from three to six times as fast. No way. It's incredible. Now, unfortunately, it is a peptide. It is natural, therefore I'm, you can't patent it. So it's not readily available by pharmacies. So you'd have to kind of know a guy, but uh, yeah. things like that are incredible for repair and tissue repair or time. I mean, tendons are one of those things that uh, they're tricky, man. If you don't hit it right, it can be a big pain in the ass for a lot of years. Oh, absolutely. And uh, that's, that's the one thing is, you know, being smart and, and doing, doing my exercises, my banded exercises and um, you know, keeping it elevated and everything like that. I, that's the one thing that I've been focusing on so far. So it's been good. Wicked. Yeah. It's, I mean, I encourage you to keep going, man. Like, honestly, I'd be very, very curious to have you send me some stuff on your tea towel exercises. I think that's really amazing. Um, I've, I've never done one. I have a couple that I do with a towel, but not yeah. a whole program. I think that's really, amazing. Oh, it's, you know what? It's, it's just, it was getting creative one day and it was especially the fact that I can't stand, right? Like I can't have put a lot of sustained weight. Well, so it was like a chair, tea towel workout, 
and I was focused more on like isometric holds and isometric, you know, and, and doing that kind of thing. That uh, I don't know. I found it works for me, and uh, it was really like a like a modified Superman. Like one thing I would do is do a modified Superman and then mimic like a lat pull down. You know, keeping it wide and working on that shoulder blade health, and and that was you know it was, it was amazing what happened. So that was good. Yeah, those will kick your ass. Those ones I yeah. was actually taught as a cobra press. Another one you might quite like is the same position, keeping your arms up, obviously, scap health instead of uh, lumbar, but rocking yeah. your hands back and forth in this U shape. And it just, it works your lats, it works your erectors, it works everything. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to get some resources from you on that. That's great. Love it. Um, so I'm curious, Josh, tell me, I mean, this is, and this might, you know, differ from client to client and you personally, but if you were to define the word, healthy how would you do that i wish you asked me this one sooner so i could prepare something <laughs> healthy is very objective and honestly i'm not sure i could define it with a single sentence healthy is a concept and everybody has a different goal of healthy i mean there has been tons of controversy around self-love and body love and body image and you look at advocates like lizzo and all kinds of stuff and you get these women they're bigger women plus size models and on paper, they're actually very healthy. And so for them, they're healthy. Then you have people who come in and slam that and say, no, your body fat has to be X percentage to be healthy. Well, not always the case. And for me, I look at health on paper and by feel. Do you feel good? Do you have energy? Are you happy? And that ties into psychological health as well. You can look good aesthetically, but if you're not happy with the way your body looks, you're not gonna be healthy. You're gonna have an increase in stress hormones. So as far as a blood panel is concerned, are you healthy? And as far as your mood and movement concerns, are you healthy, right? And, and that as a concept is how I would define it. And so I think success for that is going to vary from person to person dramatically. And sorry, one of the, I'm just going through your Instagram here because one of the hashtags that you use quite a bit is uh, like normative bodies, like, or am I misquoting you there? Bodies. Okay, so tell me about that. What is, what is that concept and, and how, do you, how do you look at that? So normalized normal bodies, it's exactly what I was talking about here when it comes to health. There's, it's tough with this movement of body love and body image because for a lot of people, it is just an excuse to do nothing and go, I'm happy with me. And if you truly are, power to you. I have no business and no place telling you how you should look, how you should feel or what's good. Just because it's good for me doesn't make it good for you. And maybe you're in a place right now in your life where health and fitness is low priority. For you, it's mental health and that's what you need in order to progress towards physical health, which is great. Um, but normalized normal bodies is a movement that's really coming to right now. And it's, it's pushed by a couple of people I do follow on Instagram as well, where as a concept, it's like my body is my body. My body is normal. My body is healthy. Acne is normal. Skin is normal. Skin folds are normal. Wrinkles are normal where instead we're chasing this Instagram perfection, right? You look on women's health and men's health and magazines, and it's so dangerous. These detoxes, detoxes, 30 day shreds where you have these photoshops and oftentimes the before photos are actually taken after, after bloating and waterlogging. And I've done that. I've done it before to win prizes for competitions to know how to cheat the system. And we're always chasing this magazine perfection and it's toxic because then we're never happy. We're never healthy. And we're going to these, we're getting desperate. Desperation causes people to chase dramatic events and results, which is juice cleanses and these crazy over, over the top exercise programs rather than the proactivity. And so normalized normal bodies is just accepting who we are and how we are 
and taking a step back from magazine perfection and saying that's not real. And I'm just looking at one of your posts here. It's aptly titled, Are Abs Really Worth the Hassle? Tell me what you think about that. Well, interestingly enough, so my wife and I, she's been really working hard on getting the Instagram up. And so that's her. She actually wrote that post. And that comes actually from her experience having competed in the bikini competition. And so she had chased these abs. She had chased this perfect style. She hated her life. She was actually a very, um, a very, very strong. She was an Olympic lifter. We were working into CrossFit. And I mean, she was at 130 pounds, was snatching 160. She had a clean and jerk of almost 200. And for a five foot five woman at 130, it's pretty freaking strong. But after this bikini competition, she was always getting this like, well, now I think I'm too big or now I think I'm not looking this way or I should look that way. And she started to take this intrinsic look when she wrote that post and she says, we need to tell people about this. Are abs really worth it? Is it worth the chase? Is it worth constantly hating your body every day to get the abs? Because at the end of that day, when you finally get them, you feel like shit, right? And for a lot of people, they're an aesthetic gift. A lot of people will just never have them. I mean, I have a friend of mine, he's a professional fighter, and he walks around at about 10, 12% body fat, still has no six pack, but that's okay because that's his body type. And so I think we need to normalize that as not an ideal, but take healthy as our next ideal and accept what we look like putting aesthetic aside. And that's what that post is really about. I love that. And I love that whole attitude. And to be honest with you, that has really shifted in my fitness business because when I first started, it was about how I look and it was about, you know, the six pack and the muscles and everything like that. But now I've got two young girls. I don't think that spreading that message early on is, is beneficial to me, beneficial to them, beneficial to really anybody. And as a dad, like I want my girls to grow up respecting their bodies and just like that, normalizing, you know, their bodies and, and realizing that they are normal. Yeah. It's, it's really sad how far this permeates. And now we're talking about kids. We actually had a woman comment on our post and uh, she had said, my seven-year-old daughter called herself fat the other day. And as a dad, you can imagine what that does to you. And I, I don't have kids. Uh, I work with a lot of kids through you know personal safety training and stuff. And I, I do a lot of work with kids. I love working with kids, but I can't imagine having a seven-year-old girl come up to me and say, excuse me, I think I'm fat, please help. And that's devastating for a child and to start that young. And so we have such a toxicity permeating our culture where kids on Instagram and it goes from childhood to adulthood. We're always chasing this thing we'll never have. Uh, the Photoshop, the angles, the lighting. And so there's a lot of really great uh, inspirational people out there trying to normalize this stuff. And I really do have to credit a lot of my, my ideals on this one to Jeff Starling. Um, that's a, everybody stronger who I believe you just did an interview with. Because I used to joke with him and I, I mean, I joke half, but I mean it. I'm a really good trainer, man. I've got, our clients got world records. I've gone head to head with the Mayo Clinic and I fought them on it. And I come back and fixed injuries when they wanted to do surgery and all these really great feats. But I am a shitty coach, right? Jeff is a phenomenal coach. And that's what I'm trying to, to emulate and learn from people like that, where we can start to step back and look at the psychology and look at how people are and why they are and encourage them first to become comfortable with yourself. And, uh, you know, I've done a lot of work with that where we reduce, we can't lose weight, right? You're trying to exercise, you're eating well, all this stuff, and you're not getting the body fat you want. Well, a lot of it is stress hormones. 
whether it's neurological, C1, C2, and over, over uh, correctiveness of your sympathetic system, sometimes it's stress hormones and cortisol, and balance of testosterone, estrogen, insulin levels, whatever. But as you start to reduce stress and actually, and this is the irony of it, it's a gross irony, when you actually finally accept yourself and your body and go, okay, not I wish I was, but instead what's next from here, you reduce those stress hormones and you lose the body fat anyway. So it's, it's kind of a sick and twisted lesson to learn, but it really is just the way it is. And I think it's, it's kind of ironic and pretty amazing that that happens. So I'm really curious, like, let's talk about how somebody could work at that because it is, it's, it's a process, right? You do have to work on it. It can't just come naturally. So how do you recommend that people work on that? And that, that's got nothing to do with fitness, right? So, you know, let's, let's talk about how does someone work on that? It does have everything and nothing to do with it. I think the biggest thing when you're working on changing your perception of yourself, it's going to be changing your influences. Who do you follow on Instagram? What magazines do you buy? What ideals do you hold for yourself? When you change those external influences, you change your intrinsic thought process. And it, there's an old philosophy that goes back that you are the sum average of the closest five friends. And that applies to friends and influences. If your friends are all millionaires, odds are you're going to adopt the thought processes and work ethic that makes you a millionaire. If your five closest friends are drug addicts and they're broke all the time, odds are you're going to have a drug problem and become broke. And so if your five big influences are Instagram models, magazines, all these different aesthetic perfection that's Photoshop and spray tan, that's what you're always going to chase. And so change your input, you change your output. Love that. And, you know, I will apologize slash not apologize. I mean, <laughs> I, so I work in the news media and I've been doing that for 10 years. That's what I went to school for. But we in the media have responsibilities to make sure that we understand that, right? And really get, this is why I'm starting this platform. My podcast, the Calgary Fitness Podcast is for reasons like this, to talk to people like you, to to know that it's not about magazine covers and it's not about a 60 second Instagram video that you see. I mean, this, this is, ah, what you see on Instagram is like the top 1% and you know, we, we can't, we can't treat ourselves with disrespect every single day. So I think that, you know, it's my responsibility now to understand that I have this platform. So, you know, I, I apologize for being in the mass media, but at the same time, I can't because now we're developing it and talking to people like you. So I really appreciate it. But I mean, it's a learning experience for everybody in the media or not, right? I mean, it's a learning experience for the media to say, okay, here's the problems we're causing. What can we do? And it's also a business and you got to sell magazines. You got to sell print. You got to sell whatever. So you're kind of stuck between a hard and a harder place. So, I mean, we appreciate everything that the media does or has the ability to do, but it's what you do with that. But you're right. We can't, you know, you can't look at a billionaire and go, I want to be a billionaire. And now that you're making $5 million a year, you can't get pissed because you're broke because you're not, right? And, and I mean, I don't mean this as a self-plug, this is just the fact. I, this program that I'm working on, we're, we're releasing this year, it's called Fit14. And it's this 14-week program in which we stretch out using normal people. They're 34 to 47 years old, 200 to 275 pounds, you know, just regular everyday people who are sort of fit, but sort of not, some not at all. And we take them through every single day. You know, like we start off with a 25 minute workout on day one, by the end it's an hour and a quarter. And it's just step by step, every day builds onto the next. And unfortunately what the industry has done is said, here's your 30 day shred, right? Since Richard Simmons, 
P90X, you know, Jillian Michaels, you get all these different, you get fitness models of spray tans and abs and perfection saying keep up or die. And then you don't keep up, then you're pissed you can't keep up. And now you don't look like that and then you give up. So instead of taking things progressively and understanding it's a process, people are just trying to jump right to completion. And uh, I think we need more influences like that. And that's why I'm trying to take that step for my company. And I'm seeing it more and more on social media, but that's also the influences I'm surrounding myself with. So the people who are not don't even know this stuff exists. And uh, I love what you're doing here because I think it needs to get out more. Josh, I really appreciate your time today. Let's let's do a plug for you. Where can people find out more about you? Where can they follow along with what you're up to? Uh, go ahead and throw out your handles. Well, we're on uh, Instagram. It's at aftermath.fit and as well on Facebook, aftermath.fit. Uh, website, of course, aftermathfitness.ca. And uh, we're just really trying to work to get some more content out there, but we're, we're definitely on Instagram. Uh, aftermath.fit is our biggest platform right now that we're really working on trying to grow. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, just... I love answering questions and talking to people and everybody gets 10 minutes. You know what I mean? If you have a question or something you're dealing with, or I can help you with something, the least I can do is give you resources. And uh, I think anybody in my position has an obligation to do that as well as I enjoy it. I really do love working with people and helping people. That's why I became a paramedic in the first place. So beauty, Josh, anything else you want to add before I send you on your way? And I think you nailed it. That is absolutely everything. Um, thank you so much for doing this, Justin. It's been great. Uh, everything that you're doing here with this podcast, the message you're trying to get across, uh, I think is irreplaceable, super important. And uh, I really hope uh, I really hope people start picking up on this ideology that's really starting to grow. Uh, I think it's super important and I hope you see more of it. Awesome. Josh, hang out for just one sec. I'm just going to stop the recording. Thank you so much for listening to this full episode of the Calgary Fitness Podcast. You know, it means the world to me when people leave five-star ratings and they share this podcast with their friends because this is such important information, especially in the Calgary scene. We have some great, great people in the Calgary area who are willing and ready to help a lot of people right now. So make sure you give this podcast a five-star rating, share it with someone that you know, and that would make my day. Have an awesome one.